0: Well, we'll be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 14 in a moment, but we normally bring a few little bits of news that things that have happened during the week and that I've received on the the internet and things. Just one bit of news here about the Christian Leader magazine, which is part of the Mennonite Brethren Churches in America. But they had an article called The New Spirituality. And it says about people these days are searching for some truth in, in religions. And unfortunately, the article portrays some new old ways that they think will help people return to ancient spiritual practices, which can help a new generation reimagine the power of the gospel what an amazing thing to say reimagine, I don't know what they mean by that, but the new ways the new old ways that they want people to investigate is the prayer labyrinth the prayer path Lectio Divina Tasi the Jesus prayer which is a mantra the stations of the cross Ignatian Examine spiritual direction, contemplative spiritual disciplines, and to study the Desert Fathers. is not just incredible. We've been talking about this in the last few days, and all this just exemplifies what is happening. The Roman Catholics, you know, are making great use of Tony Blair, their new convert. He spoke... This week at Westminster Cathedral Cardinal Murphy O'Connor has instigated a series of Cardinals lectures Lectures, and Tony Blair has been one of the first ones to take this lecture You need to keep our eye on Tony Blair He's going to be a man who will cause problems within faiths as he talks about he says for religion to be a force for good it must be rescued not from not simply from extremism faith as a means of exclusion needs to be rescued from those things but also from irrelevance an interesting part of our history but not of our future what he's saying really is that our history has uh, had a spirituality which was relevant he says that's not going to be the future I don't understand what he's really getting at but he needs to be watched And you know I keep talking about Rick Warren he has the same ideas in 2006 he said that Muslim fundamentalism Christian fundamentalism Jewish fundamentalism and secular fundamentalism They're all motivated by fear, and he says they will be one of the big enemies in the 21st century, Christian fundamentalism, belief in the Bible. And because he has this attitude, Rick Warren then can work with Muslims or anybody he likes who will work with him. Things are hotting up, I tell you, for the One World Church. This guy called Robert Booth, he, he writes in The Guardian, and he says the next time Gordon Brown or Nicholas Sarkozy need a bolt hole in which to recharge their batteries or a place for a private powwow, they might find themselves lured to a new retreat amid the pink rocks of the Nevada desert. Donna Vassa, part of the Vassar Education dynasty has launched plans to build a 300 million private getaway for stressed out presidents and prime ministers who want to reconnect with their unique purpose in life. The Universatis Leadership Sanctuary will be a center specifically created to embrace and challenge leaders says the vision document which Vassar has published together we will, we will create an individual journey leading to the highest place within enabling leaders to reconnect with their unique purpose in life they emerge renewed with clarity and reflecting true transformation. Patterson who was the architect traveled to study the life and architecture of Buddhist monasteries and in in Bhutan and the Christian Orthodox monasteries of Mount Athos and Meteora in Greece. Under a glass dome will be the spiritual heart of the development, the contemplation space where leaders will be encouraged to sit in silence. It's all happening quicker than most of us realise. It's always nice to put these things away and get back to the Word of God, isn't it? So we'll go to Deuteronomy chapter 14, and we'll just read the first eight verses. Ye are the children of the Lord your God, ye shall not cut yourselves, nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. God had a great desire that these people would be very special. Thou shalt not eat abominable any abominable thing. These are the beasts which ye shall eat, the ox, the sheep, and the goat, the hart and the roebuck, the fallow deer, and the wild goat and the bison and the wild ox and the chamois. And every beast that parteth the hoof and cleaveth the cleft into two claws and cheweth the cud among the beasts, that ye shall eat. Nevertheless, these ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud Or of them that divide the cloven hoof, as the camel, and the hare, and the coney? For they chew the cud, but divide not the hoof. Therefore they are unclean unto you. And the swine, because it divideth the hoof, yet cheweth not the cud, it is unclean unto you. Ye shall not eat of their flesh, nor touch their dead carcass. We look at the first few words of this chapter, ye are the children of the Lord your God. That was a statement. They were the children of the Lord their God. And therefore it says quite logically after that, because ye are, because of what they were, the children of the Lord, the rest of the verse was the way they should live, the result of being the children of the Lord their God it should have been but unfortunately with Israel it wasn't always the case you shall not cut yourselves you know how often we've seen photographs of people with their scars on their faces members of tribes in Africa who cut themselves in ritual marks all from paganism and we We used to have a lot of student friends when we were in Dublin, and uh, most of them came from Africa and places like that. And quite often you would see a mark on their face, where they had some tribal marks. Their faces had been cut, disfigured. It's the type of thing that God was saying to the people here. Don't disfigure yourself was the way that Satan in his way was disfiguring a figure that had been produced in the image of God he would even seek to mark the, the images of these people and these days we still see people with marks on their faces coming from some of these foreign countries nor make any baldness between your eyes for the dead. You see, what was happening as a sign of mourning uh, and pagan remembrance of the dead, these religious marks and the making themselves bald in some way on the front of their hair, it was a symbol of remembering the dead. And God says to the children of Israel, ye are the children of God. He is the giver of life. And ye are my children. Keep away from these pagan rites. Show by your life and even in your mourning that you're different. They were surrounded by these pagans. They were going to go into the land and they were going to be amongst those people who were performing these rites on themselves. And he says, You shall show by your behavior and actions that you're mine. As I read this verse, you know, I could not but think of those around us today in our churches and elsewhere, and we copy the ways of the heathen round about us. We can see no difference quite often, from those who are the children of God, from those who follow the God of this world. We see no difference. And remember what Peter said. A very similar thing that God says here in verse 2. Peter says, Ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. We've been called out of darkness, out of the darkness of the people in, around us who live around us. In as we go about our daily tasks, we should show that we are living in the light. We've said it quite often the last few weeks. Second Corinthians six sixteen ye are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people therefore show a difference am I different from the world around me in my dress in my behavior in my tastes. well we, you know what I'm talking about are we different keep me shining Lord we're just saying of course keep me shining Lord in all I say and do that the world may see Christ lives in me And learn to love him too. You know we see a great deal of cutting these days in various ways. And you know there's an interesting verse in in Leviticus. That ties in with this. Leviticus 19.28. It says ye shall not make any cuttings on your flesh. That's what we're talking about here in Deuteronomy. But listen here's what it says. Now print. Now print any marks upon you. Now print any... I am the Lord. Skin piercings and tattoos are all too common these days. They're everywhere. Let us show a difference. Let us show a difference. Why were the Israelites to stay away from such things? Why? God said to them, Thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people, a special people unto himself, above all the nations that are upon the earth. That's why. Why should we? Because, as I said, we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That we should show forth that we have come out of the darkness around us and demonstrate that we are walking in the light. You know, today starts Passover. Passover. All the ceremonies I was just thinking this morning, all the things that have been happening throughout the world, something that has been going on for thousands of years, remembering the redemption out of Egypt. But I, I, I was reading in Exodus eleven when Moses warned Pharaoh that God would destroy the firstborn. And in Exodus eleven, verse four, I'll read it from here. Exodus eleven four and Moses said thus said the Lord about midnight will I go into the midst of Egypt all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill and all the firstborn of beasts and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt such as there was none like it nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel will not a dog move his tongue. That amazing. Against man or beast, that ye may know, and this is it, that ye may know that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. A difference That is exactly what God would see between the church, those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God, and the world. A difference. God wants to see a difference. Let's move on. Now, in verses 3 to 8, we are talking here about clean and unclean animals what they were allowed to eat and what they were allowed not to eat or not allowed to eat (laughs) and the next few verses distinguishes between clean and unclean animals and to eat an unclean animal it says in verse 3 was an abomination to the Lord it was an abominable thing a child you know living in those days may have said to his mother maybe their neighbours were Canaanites some time along why don't we eat a hare? or a Canaanite neighbour could have said to one of the Israelites why do you not eat pork? and the very simple answer would have been because God says so in his law now to the Canaanites that may have seemed an unsatisfactory reply but to the believing Jew that reason was total and absolute God said it that's it the laws of God were clearly always set out in the teaching of the Old Testament there was never any room for man's ideas we've observed that when we studied the tabernacle and there was never any room for man to put his ideas into any of the, the structures within the tabernacle all he had to do was to do what God said all the Israelites had to do was to obey it was not necessary for him even to understand why God had said particular thing or or what the law was. That was God's prerogative. God said it, he had to obey. His duty was only to obey. Too often today we find Christians asking and challenging the word of God. We hear so often, I know the Bible says that, but in my humble opinion at this day in which we live, I think you know, you think, God, I've said it before, you think God was up in heaven saying, just hold on a minute, I want to hear what this man says. The arrogance of it. Challenging the word of God. And anybody who says something like that, tell you one thing, his opinion isn't humble. We see today, packing up of unscriptural doctrines, by reasonableness. It seems reasonable. I read a, a book like, I got it out again today, the, the, the other day, when I was looking at this, the Dean of St. Patrick's in Dublin. He's, he's giving a, a, a talk about the, the various things he believes. And he was on about infant baptism. And he said, actually, it was in, the practice was entirely reasonable and natural. It doesn't come into it. It's whether it's scriptural or not so we see this list here of the animals which were clean and the animals which were not clean they're they're mentioned in Leviticus 11 Uh, they're given there to Moses and Aaron here they're given to the people but it's the same list with a few little variations and to this very day especially at this Passover time, we have the Jews, and especially the very Orthodox ones, throughout the world are seeking to observe some of these laws which were given in Leviticus and here in Deuteronomy. Whether things are clean or unclean. You know, they have to get rid of all the leaven in the house. It's one of the laws coming up to Passover. Passover. Anything unclean, anything which had been used for everyday use has to be got rid of. And they have a very elaborate system of of all the kitchen utensils which are used every day. They sell them off. They get rid of them out of the house. They don't necessarily sell them. They have a system whereby they go to the rabbi and he sells them off to a Gentile for the period of Passover. And then they're, they're able to get them back again. At the end of Passover. And sometimes they, they lease off a portion of the house. And they put all those things into that room. And that is sealed. They're not allowed to go into it during Passover. They, they go to the letter to try and observe these laws. They're not allowed to eat anything which has leaven in it. And and if it has risen. They have to get it out of the house. burn it. Burns they have an interesting thing actually there are certain grain like things which are allowed to take which are uh, uh, some similar to the ones that they're not allowed to take that they have banned those as well and that struck me as something for Christians you know that verse that says uh, keep away from all appearance of evil they go to that length It's not they could take it according to the laws but they don't in case people think and I thought that was a good lesson for us. I don't know why I'm on about this, about the but but it, it's, it's all to do with clean and unclean things. They're so fussy and so anxious to please God, these Jews today doing this thing, this very day. They don't realize the sad thing, that all these laws have been fulfilled in Jesus Christ what a pity but it's all about this cleanliness and uncleanliness and these animals the clean animals and the unclean animals it generally went like this every beast that parteth the hoof and cleaveth the cleft into two claws and cheweth the cud among the beasts ye shall eat verse 7 ye shall not eat of them that chew the cud but divide not the hoof Therefore, they are unclean. And the swine, because it divided the hoof, yet cheweth not the cud, it is unclean. Summed up in everyday language, really, it's this. If the animal chews the cud and has a cloven hoof, it is clean. The rest are unclean. That's why the pigs and these ones are unclean. Now, we can learn some important and interesting lessons I think from these few verses we have the two qualifications for cleanliness the cloven hoof and chewing the cud both were essential the camel chewed the cud but didn't have cloven hoof it was out the pig had a cloven hoof but did not do the good so it was out. now the hoof what does an animal do it walks on its hooves doesn't it walks so the hoof speaks to us of the way Christians walk how do we walk in this world A walk with the Lord Jesus day by day And chewing the cud speaks of what we digest into our bodies and what we think over what we meditate upon So we have the two things walking and digesting And the animal had to qualify for both those things before it was a clean animal For us to be a balanced Christian We must show by our walk that we have the indwelling Spirit of God producing the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that can only happen to balance up if what we're feeding ourselves with and eating day by day is applied to our lives. What we have digested. That comes out in the end. How healthy we are as Christians. Now look, it's very important to stay here, having read those things at the beginning of our little talk, we're not talking about here of the New Age mantras and meditation spoken of and approved by many today, like this guy Rick Warren and Bill Hybels, the leaders of the Emergent Church, the Roman Catholic Church and many, many others are into this kind of new age meditation we're not talking we're talking about the meditation of the word of God that the psalmist said meditate think upon the word of God not open to nothing and, 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 and letting it be filled with all sorts of weird things you know I was challenged about this when I was studying this and we've met many people that seem to walk well but do not chew the cud. <laughs> it's a chap. A Big fellow used to teach us weird Sunday school choruses, I remember. And he'd always say, like, you know, he always his mouth and closes it up, very accentuated <laughs> We as kids we always called him old oh, we'll chew the cud. <laughs> but that's just <laughs> But listen, we need to chew the cud. And it says, Jesus said, even so also outwardly appear, these people appear righteous unto men, but within they're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. They look as if they're walking right, but inside they're not chewing the cud. We need to be reminded, and Martin in his prayer said, we need to be reminded that we can be built up. We need to be built up. I commend, Paul says to you, God... I commend you to God he says to the elders at Ephesus when he was leaving them and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up we need to be built up as Christians now here's a, a short lesson I'll put down here an animal, animal husbandry not that I know an awful lot about it but you know I suppose one of my memories I was just thinking about this one of my Fond memories is on my grandfather's farm, lying in bed at night, and listening to the chains in the bar as those lovely old big wet-nosed animals chewed the cud and moved about during the night. Or have you ever walked into a bar after milking, and this I'm talking about real milking here, sitting on a stool and milking? I remember when I was a kid they used to do it that way. And going in after the milking was over and the cat was there drinking its milk that had been given and the cows had been given new bedding and they were lying there in the quiet chewing the cud well you know we used to feed the young the, the calves you kept a bucket of milk and you went out to these young very very young calves and you were trying to get them to start drinking milk and they'd suck your fingers. You know, I'm sure you've done it. You'd give them a bit of milk and give them. A... And then they would get used to that and they'd become boisterous and they'd try and head the bucket away from the other fellow and things. Those are the memories we have of animals chewing the cud. Those times have gone forever. The poet said, Farm memories bring the light of other days around me. But, you know, I read a little bit about chewing the cud. And they said that a cow chews the cud for about eight hours a day. 30,000 chews, it gives. Chewing the cud. And they say that a content cow is one which chews the cud. And what they do is, when they chew the cud, they bring up from their first stomach, and they chew what was there. And that is rough rough fodder that they have taken and the saliva softens this and they get benefit from it and they soften it and they chew on it again and the more a cow chews the cud the more it eats and the more milk it produces isn't that amazing She's regurgitating a lump of food that she has swallowed and then she thinks about it and she rechooses, and gets benefit from it. You know, we gave milk to the calves. The farmer gives the calves milk. But you know, it's very important that the fodder a cow gets has to be rough, has to be a certain size. Some farmers uh, have found that they can put this fodder into a machine and break it down too much. And if they do that, and I thought this was most interesting, wait, right, let I tell you. Could chewing often can be used as an indicator of the health of the cow and even of the whole herd. It's not amazing. Cows who do not chew their cuds, if they don't chew them enough, may have lower fat test yields, may become lame. It affects how they walk. Isn't that incredible? And it gives them digestive upsets, such as twisted stomachs. And all these problems affect the profitability of a dairy operation. From a practical standpoint, how can we make sure that cows get enough effective fibre to stimulate chew and cudding, cudding and chewing the cud? Look at that. Isn't that a wonderful picture of the Christian we have to feed Christians the meat of the word not the milk Paul complained that the people were not desiring the meat of the word the proper fodder that they should be getting we should expect to see cows chewing the cud a church leader should expect to see his people digesting and meditating upon the word of God cows a farmer has to continually observe his cows to see whether they are content and see whether they are chewing the cud and one thing it said in this little article it said a farmer should take a note of newcomers into the herd to make sure that they are chewing the cud how wonderful a picture this whole thing about clean and unclean animals we need to be feeding our people the right food the food of the word of God Paul Paul constantly worried about his people they had to be fed milk he said as they were not ready for the meat of the word They were content with the milk and as a result did not chew over the word of God. Didn't meditate over it and learn from it how to grow in grace and in the knowledge of God. They were constantly dependent upon the milk being fed to them. I had to go and feed the calves the milk. I had to stick my fingers in the milk and let them suck my fingers in order to try and get them to take the milk you don't have to feed a cow you don't have to tell a cow how to eat if it's been fed the right food it'll eat and it'll chew the cud. what did Paul say I have fed you milk 1 Corinthians 3 verse 2 I have fed you milk and not with meat for hitherto ye were not able to bear it neither yet now he says are ye able what a, a thing to have to say to his people. They weren't ready to be given the solid food of the word of God. In Hebrews, Hebrews 5, these three verses in Hebrews 5, it's exactly the same thing. Hebrews 5 verse 12, And when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as need milk and not of strong meat for everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness he is a babe but strong meat the right fodder the right food of the word of God belongeth unto them that are of full age full grown animals that's what he's talking about even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern between good and evil if we're farmers we must make sure that the herd has been well fed the onus is on the farmer it's a responsibility we have and did you notice what I said about the cows who are fed the wrong fodder that which was not correct for the cow to chew the cud what happened they became lame their walk was affected and their digestive system was affected do you ever wonder about Christians why they're not walking correctly it's because they're not being fed the right food why do some Christians appear twisted in their outlook it's because they're not being fed the right food. Why did they seem to be out of step with Bible basic teachings? Because they're walking lamely. They're not being fed the right food. I thought this was amazing. This, myself, I enjoyed this. <laughs> they become lame and have not been digesting the meat of the word, and have become lame in their walk. I remember, and I've said this before, I remember years ago, I was doing a survey in a house. I went through the house, came into the living room. It wasn't a very big house, poorish sort of people. And there was a, a, a baby in, 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 a, in, a, in a little carry cot thing, over and I was talking I went over to see the baby I got the shock of my life I'll never forget it was a baby but it had the face of a grown person it was frightening it had never grown up it was still a baby and it was about this size it was old I don't know what was wrong with it said something and left the house and that's the trouble with Christians they're still babies they haven't gone on to studying the meat of the word of God and partly it's because the leaders have not been feeding them the right food and you know the other interesting thing in that article was the more the cows chewed the cud the more they ate and the more milk they produced if we are fed and we feed our our, our people and our fellowships the, the right word they will want more and they will produce fruit the more we study the word of God and seek to apply and meditate upon it the more it will produce fruit in our lives spiritual fruit may we as pastors be prepared to feed the word to our fellowships and be always on the lookout for those who are not chewing any fresh people who come into the fellowships make sure that they start chewing the cud It's it in that little article. Taking time to carefully observe your cows will pay dividends in recognizing potential problems before they become major headaches. Isn't that good? I think we should make a tract out of that article (laughs) on chewing the cud. This article and chewing the cud finished with the thing I said there, all of these problems directly affect the profitability of a dairy operation. And it's the same in our fellowships. All of these things directly affect the health and the fitness of the fellowship. Listen to Paul's advice to Timothy. 1 Timothy 4 verse 15 Meditate upon these things Meditate upon these things Give thyself wholly to them That thy profiting may appear to all They'll see the difference That we started off talking about The difference between you and and the people in the world if we meditate on the word of God. May it be so for his name's sake. Amen.